Welcome back to Soul to Soul Radio 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Rabbi Ari Kiban and it's great to be with you here this afternoon. We're just one week away from the Shabbos Project, bringing the entire community once again, keeping it together, keeping it as one. And this is one of the favorite weeks of the year. Of course, we're always meant to keep Shabbos, but certainly as this has become a tradition. And as the Rabbi of Chabad Seniors programs, I would like to address how we can make Shabbos most meaningful and best for our senior community. In years gone by, in the previous years, we've had our Shabbos retreats, we've had programs for the entire community. For our shul, we would do a Shabbos retreat. For the seniors, we always did special activities. And this year, we will too. But no doubt, it's going to be different than what we are used to. So let us just think about the significance, and especially for those who are in quarantine still, those who are isolated. Yes, indeed, we are meant to get out of the... uh, It's opened up already, and last week portion we read Noah, which is about being quarantined and isolated, locked into the ark. But then again, God said to Noah, go out of the ark, go back into the world. This week's portion is Lech Lecha. It's about taking, going out into, back into the universe. It's about going back out there. That's what God said to Abram and Sarah, go into the world. Don't get stuck where you are in in your isolation. Don't be stuck where you know, where you are. It's time to go into, back into the world, to embrace, to, to, to find yourself and to be there as a beacon of light for others. But of course, that is not easy for everyone and especially for those who are vulnerable, for those who have comorbidities, for those who are still, believe it or not, there's many people who are still isolated. There are many people who are still in quarantine and we at Chabad Seniors Program certainly try to reach out to them by doing our activities and programs to benefit the elderly in our community. And uh, that includes our weekly food parcels, etc. So how do we make Shabbos meaningful, especially for those who are at home? Yes, everyone's home. Where are you going? Shabbos, you meant to be at home. But, you know, during the pandemic, for many people, you know, as a result of, I guess, the social isolation, there was this, uh, some people, in a sense, lost track of time, of what day it is. But for us Jewish people, that's not the case because if you conduct the Jewish home, you are aware of Shabbos every single day of the week. The Torah tells us, Zahar Shema Shabbos Lekachet. Remember the day of Shabbos to keep it holy, to sanctify it. And our sages understand this commandment not only about Shabbos itself, it's not only the obligation to remember Shabbos on the seventh day of the week, but also to be aware each day of the week which day it is relative to Shabbos. And what's interesting is, Unlike the um, the colloquial names of the days of the week in in English or other European languages, which usually are related to days, right? Sunday, it's, it's the day of the planet, Monday, right? But in, in Torah, we call Sunday Yom Rishon, the first day in counting that builds towards the seventh, towards Shabbos. And every day of the week is exactly the same. Yom Sheni, Yom Shlishi, the second day, the third day, all counting down towards Shabbos. In fact, when we, in our Shachar's morning prayers every day, it's customary to recite the Yom Yom. We say, we recite the song for each day. What do we say? Hayom Yom Rishon Shabbos. Today is the first day in our count towards Shabbos. 
Every day we're counting down towards Shabbos. Each morning we remind ourselves where exactly we are relative to Shabbos. The holy day of Shabbos is the anchor of our entire week. And so, of course, we don't lose track of time. For some people, the last few months have been somewhat like Shabbos. No travel, not going to the office, obviously more time with the family, hopefully, and, uh, you know, less going on. Which leads to the question, is Shabbos necessary? Well, we're not schwitzing for six days of the week. You're home every day anyways. And the truth is we're not the first ones to have this question. One of the great commentators known as the Mabit, his name was Rabbi Moshe of Trani, he actually says that the Jews who left Egypt had similar thoughts. And he cites a teaching from the sages that the Jews actually kept Shabbos while they were in Egypt. And yet, when they were in the desert, God commanded them. They had an actual instruction to keep Shabbos. Why did God need to command them about something that they were already observing? And he answers that the Jews could have assumed that Shabbos in Egypt was important because they were working hard as slaves. And you need that opportunity. You need a bit, you need that. You don't want to suffer from burnout. You don't want to have the fatigue and exhaustion that comes from harsh labor. And in fact, it was beneficial to Pharaoh himself to give the Jewish people a day off. But in the desert, once they were emancipated from their slavery, they were relaxing with little going on during the week. So did they really need to keep Shabbos? Every day was, so to say, restful. Every day they were basking in the, in the glory of God and the protective clouds of glory. So says the Mabit. This is why God needed to command them about Shabbos. God's message was, even if you remain in your tent a whole week, even if you're not experiencing back-breaking labor, the difficult struggles of life as a slave in Egypt, Shabbos still has so much to offer you. And don't be reductionist and assume that Shabbos is only about uh, a respite from this or that. Only in this situation or that situation. If, if you're working hard during the week. Shabbos has many layers of purposes and benefits. It always has something to offer you no matter where you are and no matter what you're doing. It's true that for some people, Shabbos amounts to one thing. Ay vey, all those restrictions, this is muktz and that I can't touch, and this I can't do. But whether or not we perceive the laws or customs as restrictive depends actually on our own state of mind. You know, a teenager, you tell him not to bring his gadgets to the dinner table, right? He might see that, ay vey, you're restricting him, you're holding him back from doing what he wants to do. Obviously, it's not difficult to help the teen see that this restriction actually helps them to enjoy the quality family time, to enjoy dinner with grandma. And if you're driving in your car and the GPS tells you to take a left turn, do you regard that as a restriction that's keeping you away from, from wherever you know going straight? Obviously not. We realize that taking that left turn is going to help us get to where we need to go. So, no law or regulation is objectively restrictive. It all depends on whether this is enabling something special and whether 
the affected people can perceive that. And so it's our job to try to learn and appreciate what the Shabbos regulations enable us on so many different levels. The rest that we gain from Shabbos, that is physical, emotional, spiritual. And once we could appreciate that, we realize that the Shabbos restrictions are not there to hold us back, but rather the blessings that we get for the rest on Shabbos. And that enables us to enjoy the rest of the day's week. And so for the seniors who joined our daily classes on Zoom this week, we spent time talking about the benefits of Shabbos and particularly relevant to this specific week. And so today I'd like to discuss a little bit how we can prepare for Shabbos, discuss some of the laws and customs, and talk about how to make Shabbos the most beautiful and meaningful experience for you, whether you're at home alone or with family or with friends, how you could make Shabbos indeed the most beautiful day. And like we do in our tradition. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Indeed to count down to Shabbos every single day, as we say in the Shir Shalyam, Hayom Yom Lisha, every single day is a preparation for Shabbos. So let's look at there are several mitzvahs, obviously, that pertain to Shabbos that we have to prepare. So let's look at, for example, three. Malacha. We know that that we, we say in the Kiddush, right? Yom HaShishi, Vayuchlu HaShemayim V'Aretz V'Chol Tzivahom V'Yechav V'Luchim Emeshim Malachto Asherah. So one of the things is called Malacha. Perhaps later we can talk about the difference between Malacha and Avodah. But Malacha means work. And we know that on Shabbos there are various activities, various forms of work that are forbidden. If it's hot outside, you cannot adjust the air conditioning. You cannot cook your food. These are certain things you, that, halachically speaking, if you want to keep Shabbos, whether this Shabbos or next Shabbos properly, then you're going to have to prepare. You're going to have to take care of these things beforehand. And so we're going to discuss how to make sure to actually prepare in the right way. There's another aspect of Shabbos. It's called Onek Shabbos. We are obligated to experience pleasure on Shabbos. And this includes eating sumptuous dishes, gastronomic delights, whatever delicacies you want to enjoy. Right? Shabbos, after all, the best food comes out on Shabbos. Well, we know you're not allowed to cook on Shabbos, can't bake on Shabbos, so you're going to have to prepare these things beforehand. Even if you like to buy everything fully catered, your kosher caterer is not going to d- deliver it on Shabbos. You're going to have to sort that out beforehand. And then we know that we accord Shabbos the greatest honor. In Jewish tradition, Shabbos is called the Shabbos Hamalka, royal queen. And so we give Shabbos covet. We have to prepare our homes and ourselves before Shabbos comes, as you would prepare for any royal guest. And especially because of the covet, of the honor that we want to prepare for Shabbos. It is important that we seek out opportunities to personally prepare for Shabbos. That we don't rely on others to get it done for us, even if we have domestic help at home. That we involve ourselves personally in the preparations and we show respect for Shabbos. And the more we do, the better off we are, the greater we'll feel that experience that we invested in ourselves personally in the preparation for Shabbos. And this is something very important in regard to the preparation for Shabbos, that we invest ourselves personally into the preparations for Shabbos, 
each one of us personally as we get through the week. And so this is something the Talmud talks about. And in fact, there's a great song from Yom Tov Erlich that describes how the great sages of the Talmud, each one prepared themselves. Each one was personally involved in the preparation for Shabbos. And when, ideally, you want to prepare, obviously, Friday, because then it's most apparent that the activities, the things you're doing are exclusively for Shabbos. In Shulchan Aruch, the Code of Jewish Law discusses this and talks about how Friday morning you want to wake up extra early because you want to complete the various tasks in preparation for Shabbos. So, practically speaking, you want to do your shopping, especially if you want to get the goodies, early Friday, maybe even Thursday. So there's various things you're going to want to do in preparation for Shabbos, and uh, I'm sure each one of us knows individually what that will entail. But think about the specific things you need. Well, we all need challah, right? Challah is not just referring to the braided kitka loaves that we buy or bake at home. Challah actually refers more specifically to a portion of dough that we separate before we bake any bread. So when you buy it from the bakery, it's all been done already. But it's actually a commandment in the Torah. It talks about meireshi sarisesechem tarinu of the Trumal Hashem, that from the very first portion of your dough, you should give a gift to God. Today, practically speaking, you know, back in the times of the temple, you gave that portion to the Kohen. But today, the Kohen is not allowed to actually eat that challah, so we burn a piece. So, if you're going to be baking challah at home, and it's a great, actually, activity to do with your family, then you bake it at home and you take off a little piece of dough, and you're going to burn that in the oven, and you're going to save special bracha when you do so. Or at least you know that the bakery has done so for you. Of course, there are many other things. You want to make sure your home is clean, and you want to make sure that the table's sparkling and shining, and it's beautiful, and you adorn it with your most beautiful china and most magnificent cutlery, right? It's important that we make sure that anything that's muksa we put away for Shabbos. And you want to make sure you're personally prepared. You take care of your showering and grooming and cutting your nails and get a haircut if necessary and wear your finest clothing in honor of Shabbos. There are so many things that we like to do in preparation because you want to show the covet that you're giving to this special day. And just like when we're expecting guests in our home, right? We're most motivated to prepare and you want to make a nice meal for them. Well, Shabbos is our guest. You want to dress your best in honor of this guest. You want to prepare the very best in honor of this guest. You know, often when people are involved in the preparations for this big event, you get stressed about getting everything done in time, right? So sometimes you can have a little bit of that stress and anxiety. We have to do whatever we can to avoid that. We have to do whatever possible to ensure that no fire is ignited on Shabbos, not even Arab Shabbos, not the fire of discord. So speaking of fire, actually it's important that all the preparations, all the cooking is done before, that all the food is cooked and baked and taken care of all in advance in preparation for Shabbos that's coming up. So, of course, some of the traditions and customs, men going to the mikvah, uh, the Torah Academy mikvah has reopened, I'm sure some of the other mikvahs as well, 
And you could certainly do so if that's your custom. And even if it's not your custom, it's a nice thing to do in preparation for Shabbos. Make time before Shabbos not only to prepare physically, but spiritually as well. To review the Torah portion of the week. There's a concept called Shnayim Mikravach Targum. That is being Maver Seder, reviewing the Torah portion of the week. Take a few moments on Friday to reflect on the past week and think about how good it was and how much better it could be. So that's about the preparation for Shabbos. Physical preparation as well as the spiritual preparation that we ought to do in honor of Shabbos. We'll be right back. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Rabbi Ari Kiebman and it's great to be with you here this afternoon. Today we're talking about preparation for Shabbos. Next week is the Shabbos Project. And so we're getting ourselves prepared spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. How to prepare for Shabbos? Well, we know the Torah tells us about the creation of the world. And we read about it just two weeks ago. The Torah recounts that the primordial beginning was... A ray of light. And so it is that our Shabbos begins with a ray of our own light. And so the candle lighting is what really transports us from the weekly grind to the deep inner peace of Shabbos. We really need to transform our lives from whatever hectic life we are engaged with during the week into the new mode of Shabbos. On Shabbos, we know we're not allowed to kindle or extinguish any flame, right? Now, at first, only some Jews would light candles before Shabbos because they wanted to have light in their homes, right? But with time, it became a tradition that everyone lights Shabbos candles. It is something that we all do. And so our sages decreed, in fact, when there was a Debate, because some people were actually even sitting in the dark on Shabbos. Our sages decreed that everyone should kindle the Shabbos lights and it should light, it should remain lit well into the evening. And there are two reasons offered in, or more than two reasons actually, in the Talmud. One is for shalom, which means peace. People shouldn't stumble and grope around in the darkness. Another reason is for oneg, that means you want to enjoy the food. People eat with their eyes, not just with their mouths. People, you know, you'll find that the, the, the experience of enjoying your food is more pleasurable if you could see it. And so we make sure there's light. And of course, it's covered. It is an honor for Shabbos when we actually have the Shabbos lights. Now, of course, today many people wonder, well, thank God, as long as there's no load shedding, we have ESCOM providing electric lights that illuminate our homes. And so why do we need to still light the Shabbos candles? Firstly, I'll go back to my good old friend Tevye, as he would sing, Tradition, Tradition. Right? The first thing is, it's, it's a time-honored way of fulfilling this mitzvah, which links us back to generations of Jewish women who would light the Shabbos candles. But another aspect of it is that Jewish women historically had a special lamp actually in honor of Shabbos, not just their regular ordinary candelabras that they had during the week. And that's because of the great honor that we give to Shabbos. So women always had a special Shabbos lamp, something that 
you didn't use for anything else except to illuminate the home in honor of Shabbos. And by us really doing that too, we bring a special honor to Shabbos in our homes. And there are various customs what people use. Uh, you could use wax candles or oil. But halachically speaking, it's definitely preferable to use um, oil because then it's, and special candles or, or candle sticks so that it's noticeable that what we're doing is we're lighting in honor of Shabbos. Now, obviously, if somebody's sunk in a hospital or some other place where they can't light candles, then there are electric candles, electric lights that could be used, you know, to before Shabbos, you activate the light and you have it on. But ideally, we should all be doing the customary, traditional way of lighting the candles. Someone asked a question about how long before Shabbos can you light candles? And the answer is, the earliest is an hour and a quarter before sundown. So these days, sunset is around 6.21, I think. So, actually, let's see. Candle lighting tomorrow, 6.05 p.m. So, in actuality, 6.23 is sundown. Maybe 6.21 was, was a few days ago. So, in that case, an hour and a quarter, I think that means 5.09, something like that. Now, many communities, the custom is to light the candles 18 minutes before sunset. Some even have other customs. Uh, for example, um, in Israel, they do it 40 minutes in many communities. But the halachic, we know halachically Shabbos starts at Shkia, which is sunset. There's an obligation, though, to accept Shabbos a little bit earlier than this. It's called Tosaf of Shabbos. A few minutes earlier. The custom has become that we do 18 minutes before, but there are different customs that people have. If it's past sunset, then you cannot light those Shabbos candles. Better not to light them. But if you ran past, you know, the candle lighting time, then you could still light your candles a little bit later as well. Now, who lights the candles? The mitzvah of lighting Shabbos candles is equal to men. It applies to men and women, to everyone. But if there's a woman, okay, over the age of bat mitzvah in a home, then she lights the candles actually for the entire household. Now, if a man is living alone, then he lights the Shabbos candles in his house. Even when there's a woman in the home, halacha actually encourages the man to actively participate in the mitzvah. So you could, the gentleman could set up the tray with the candlesticks, or at, there are some people who prepare the flame, okay? Who prepare the flames to make sure that the candles are ready. In pre-war Europe, there was a custom that girls would light the Shabbos candles, and this is a custom that in Chabad circles we do today, from age three onward, Jewish girls light the Shabbos candles. And we know that when you light those candles, a person actually marks a personal acceptance of Shabbos. And so, of course, you can't do any personal, you can't do any prohibited work after that. You can't even strike a match, right? So that's why it's ideal that young girls who are lighting the Shabbos candles should do so before their mother, so that mother could assist if necessary. 
And again, you could use anything you want to light the candles and if it works, as long as it's the, 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 the light will, will remain for a while, it should burn at least until, um, I don't know, to what time, but at least until nightfall and hopefully till after your Shabbos dinner. Now, of course, you can light a single candle, but the custom is for married women to light two candles at least. Single women usually light one, and many people add on additional candles for each member of their family as the family grows. And I'm proud to announce that my family, just last week, we started to light an additional candle starting last week. We added another candle for another beautiful young girl who joined our family, and it is the birth of our daughter last week. Sima Gitlo, we called her, which means a good treasure. We named her after my grandmother, who herself was a woman who escaped the Holocaust, uh, a very special lady who I remember very vaguely from my uh, from my childhood. She passed away when I was only a young boy, about uh, eight or nine years old. But certainly the the mem- the the memories of her, and knowing a little bit about her history, that she was a woman of faith, her emunah bitachem, faith and trust in Hashem were certainly exemplary. And although she endured the hardships of, of Europe just before the Second World War and escaped the Holocaust, raising her children in the Holy Land where my mother was born until they moved to the United States in her young, in her childhood. But uh, certainly she was a, a woman who we could be proud of. And I'm proud to name my daughter after her and hope that as her namesake, she'll grow to Torah, to Chuppah, to, to the Chuppah, to Masim Tovim, to good deeds. And uh, just sharing that with you, as many people add an additional candle for each additional member of the family. Of course, you got to be careful that there's no flammable objects nearby, especially if there's children. You want that the candles should be visible from the table where you're eating. And so you could enjoy your meal and benefit from a beautiful glow of your Shabbos candles. In fact, in the Gemara, it says that you should eat the meal where there is light. So there could be that oneg, that the light in Shabbos. Ideally, you should be dressed in your Shabbos clothes and your most beautiful clothing. And we customarily put some money into the tzedakah box, into a charity box before lighting the candles, as obviously you can't give charity on Shabbos itself. But we want to think of others and share the Shabbos with those less fortunate than ourselves as well. So by giving to charity, it's our way of sharing Shabbos with others as well. Now, it's interesting how we light the Shabbos candles. You cover your eyes with your hands as you say the bracha. Now, normally, a bracha is actually said before you do the mitzvah. But, you know, in the case of lighting Shabbos candles. And actually, there's another mitzvah that comes to mind that's similar is the Netilas Yadayim, washing our hands. The candles lit first and only afterwards is the blessing recited. Because once the blessing is said, it's considered as if you already accepted Shabbos and then you wouldn't be able to light the candles, right? So that's why we cover our eyes immediately after lighting the candles. And by doing so, we only benefit from the light after reciting the bracha which in a certain sense 
you fulfill that requirement that the bracha should precede the mitzvah. And so we, while a, while your, I mean, generally it's women, but everyone, while your, while your eyes are still covered, you take a moment to pray for whatever your heart desires. And as these moments, while you're immersed in the mitzvah of lighting the Shabbos candles, are such an auspicious time for prayer. And there's in fact a widespread custom. You know, even though we don't um, plead for personal needs on Shabbos. In fact, when we even say a blessing for the sick, we say Shabbos Yimelizek. But when a mother is lighting her Shabbos candles, take a moment to pray for healing for whatever people need. And it's, it's, there's in fact a special prayer, a beautiful song that asks Hashem to grant us children. A prayer asking God that our children should be raised in a way of following the Torah and observing the mitzvahs. So, once you're done wishing good Shabbos to all those around you, it's time to welcome Shabbos. Now, of course, these days, shuls are back in full swing. And even if we're taking all of the precautions, right, before you come into shul these days, people are, um, we make sure to actually, everyone is screened, Everyone sanitizes and everyone is making sure to be masked and cautious and, of course, joyous. So if you're able to go to shul, it would be ideal. But if you can't, you could can even do your prayers at home, gather the family together and make it a very special family experience of davening together. We begin the Friday night prayers with six chapters of Tehillim corresponding to the days of the week, Sunday through Friday. And there are three themes in these specific passages. The first is the idea of God's dominion over nature. Okay? Which we're obviously more conscious on Shabbos about that. The second theme is the joy. Right? Sets the mood for Shabbos. And the third theme is the future redemption, which we get a taste of on Shabbos. Now, if you take the first letters of these six psalms, right, it starts off with Lechun Aranana, and then goes on to Shiru Hashem and Hashem right? Put those together, and you're going to get, we have the letters, the first letters of each one, you have a gematria, a numerical value of 430, which is the same gematria as the word nefesh. And this, of course, alludes to the concept of the extra soul the extra dosage of spirituality that we have on Shabbos. And this is obviously multiple levels. The deeper levels are normally concealed, right? The less influential in our consciousness. But on Shabbos, the deeper level of our soul is revealed and we feel more in tune with our spirituality on this special day. The sixth psalm, right? The sixth one that we read, Mizmar Ladavid. And here we have God's name 18 times. 18, of course, we all know is Chai. Right? The words, Hashem's voice, Kol Hashem. We have that seven times. 
corresponding to the seven days of creation during which God used his voice. We know that God created the world not through physical exhaustive labor, but rather by Asara Mamaris with ten utterances, God created the world with speech. So we have Koil Hashem, the voice of Hashem, speech with which God created the entire world that we numerate in that prayer, Mizmar David, seven times, seven days of creation. And we'll be right back. IFM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul, right here on 101.9 Chai FM. And Discam Linksfield has opened a magnificent new store in the neighborhood complex in Linksfield, corner of Civin and Club Street. It is a full line of Discam store, which means that in addition to your meds, supplements, hygiene and health foods, Discam Linksfield has a wellness and a well baby clinic. There's ample free parking, and remember, Discam also do free delivery. That's Discam Linksfield, pharmacists who care. I'm Rabbi Ari Kiva, and it's great to be back with you here. We're talking about Shabbos, how to make it most meaningful, how to make it most special, especially with the Shabbos project coming up next week, but every Shabbos. We're talking about the prayers of Friday night. We discussed the first six prayers that we say, and now we're up to the psalm corresponding to Shabbos. We sing L'cha Dodi. This song is actually the welcoming song of Shabbos. We, we welcome Shabbos with great joy. You gotta sing it with a jubilant tune. L'chadodi was written by Rabbi Shlomo Alevi Alkabetz, a, a Kabbalist who lived in Tzfat in Israel in the second half of the 16th century. And if you look at the acronym, the, the the words of Lechadodi, it's an acrist of the first letters of each paragraph of his name. So if you look through it, you can see the name of the author, Shlomo Halevi. And the the chorus of this poem, Lechadodi, refers to Shabbos, Penei Shabbos Nekabla, Shabbos as a bride. A bride symbolizes the idea of intimacy. And Shabbos we're invited to experience a whole new profound closeness with God that we don't experience the rest of the days of the week. Like a bride who's united with her groom. And you could say that hopefully a bride and groom don't get sick or tired of each other. Likewise, never get tired of Shabbos. It's the day we look forward to every day of the week. In the Hasidic custom, it's Friday custom as well, is to end the Chadodi saying three times, Bohichala, 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 Shabbos Malkasa, which means, come bride, come bride, come O bride, a Shabbos queen. Some just say it, um, some just say the first two, but anyways, the custom is that we actually turn around then, right? We bow while saying each of these greetings to say the first two aloud and the last one we say quietly. We welcome Shabbos first into our world of action and then into our world of speech. And finally, in a whisper, into the world of Mahshava, the world of thought. We know that these three, action, speech, and thought, are what's called the three garments of our soul. But what's interesting related to Shabbos is that action and speech are external. 
So we welcome Shabbos in those zones with an audible voice aloud. Thought, though, we know is internal. It's our consciousness deep inside. And so we say it more quietly, just a little, just an interesting tidbit thought that I thought you might enjoy. And in this way, we accept Shabbos into every fiber of our being, into our thought, speech, and action, so we can be completely transformed from our busy, hectic week into the higher state of Shabbos Kodesh. Of course, after the Chadodi, we recite the psalm that was said each Shabbos back in the Beis HaMikdash in the temple, and that is... So you could sing it whatever way you enjoy. And that launches us into Myriv, to the evening service, as you, as you would say every night. But after we conclude our prayers, the spiritual uplift pervades our entire home, or if you're in shul, everyone's dressed in Shabbos finery, the table's set, the dishes are glittering, and now we're ready to begin our Shabbos meal. But before we sing Shalom Aleichem, Shalom Aleichem is a song welcoming the angels. Why do we sing this lovely song on Friday night? Because the Talmud teaches us that angels accompany us at this time and bless our family. And when they see that our home is filled with joy, with happiness, with holiness. The angels want that we should experience this week after week. And so we welcome the angels into our homes. And there are four stanzas in the song. In the first one we sing, Shalom Aleichem, Malachi but in the last one we say, What's the difference? The first one we're describing Malachi Hasharis, the ministering angels. But in the last stanza we're calling them Malachi Hashalom, the, the angels of peace. Many people wonder, firstly, why are we sending them away? Right. Shouldn't we be honored to have these special guests stay longer with us at our Shabbos meal? And there's obviously lots of explanations, but just to share with you one explanation is that the angels, they're gathering at our home, right? As we finish, we come home from shul or we daven at home, and now when it comes time for the Shabbos meal itself, starting with Kiddush, this is an intimate time for the bride and groom, for God and us. We're dining together in seclusion. So no one else should be present, not even the angels. It's a, a personal, intimate moment with God. I knew an old Jew who used to say, he actually would never say, he never wanted the angels to leave him. Be it as it may, make sure that you enjoy the, sing the songs. To me, when I sing Shalom Aleichem, I don't just think of spiritual angels. To me, it's my beautiful children gathered around the table. We'll get to spend quality, beautiful time together. That's Shalom Aleichem, embracing my beautiful Kindalach. And then, of course, it's important to pay attention, to acknowledge, to give credit 
to the anchor of my home, to my Eishet Chayel. So then we sing the beautiful song composed by King Solomon in the book of Proverbs. Eishet Chayel mi'imetzah v'rochoik mi'ipni mi'chro potach bolev balo v'shololoyechesor An ode to the woman of valor of our home, the one who keeps the home together to our beloved bride. According to the Medrash, this song was originally composed actually by Avraham Avinu in honor of Sarah Imenu. And of course, we celebrate them in this week's Parsha. Some say that Shlomo HaMelech intended these words as an ode to his mother. But each of us, when we sing the song, think of the important woman in your life. To your Yiddish mama, to your wonderful wife, to whoever that special woman is. And one of the Midrashim says that this is a song praising our great matriarchs throughout our Jewish history. And you think about it, we celebrate the woman in our lives and this is an opportunity to praise them aloud, to give that credit where it's due. So give the credit and sing this song, Eishet Chayel, as throughout the generations, so many men praise their wives using this beautiful song composed by Shlomo HaMelech. So that said, Eishet Chayel, sing the song, praise your wife. Of course, we know Shabbos itself is called the Queen Shabbos Malkasa or Boikala, the Bride. And so there you have various explanations for this song of Eishet Chayel. And now we're ready for Kiddush. You know, the Hebrew word Zachar, which means to remember, but also we, we remember Shabbos. Zachar is Shema Shabbos Lekachu. Remember Shabbos to keep it holy, the Torah tells us. We're obligated to verbally proclaim the sanctity of Shabbos. And so this is accomplished by reciting Kiddush. And therefore, we go straight into our meal by saying Kiddush, cup of wine, Unless, for whatever reason, one is diabetic, uh, can't drink wine or grape juice. You know, if you can't drink wine, drink grape juice. If you can't drink grape juice, then you can make it on challah. But something fascinating about wine, the general umbrella of wine, including grape juice, is the, the word for it is yayin, right? Now, the, the gematria, the numerical value of the word yayin, is the same as the word sod. Yayin is an numerical value of 70, just Yud and Yud and Nun, 10, 10, and 50. Sod is 60 plus 6 and 4. Again, 70, same gematria. They both have the same numerical value. So symbolically connecting the idea of wine to the world of secrets. Kiddush is all about revealing a deeper and concealed truth that the world is in perfect harmony with its creator, which this is something that we reveal by experiencing Shabbos in its full beauty. So we have a special cup, a nice fancy goblet, a becher designated for Kiddush, and make sure your chalas are covered. We discussed that previously. I'm not going to go into detail about making sure how your chalas are nicely covered, but we want the cup to overflow because we want our blessings in life to overflow, as the psalm we recite just before Kiddush, 
we say the cup should overflow, the blessings should overflow in our, in our life. And so make sure we stand for Kiddush as witnesses, giving testimony to God's creating the world in six days and resting on Shabbos the seventh. And make sure to enjoy the Kiddush. And from there, Kiddush begins, of course, with the words Yom Hashishi, the sixth day. What's interesting is if you look at the word Yom Hashishi Vayichulu HaShamayim, it, you'll get the first letters are an acronym of God's name. So again, we are describing the sixth day. Why the why is the sixth day included in the Kiddush? Yom Hashishi. It's because who is created on the sixth day? In the divine image, us, the human being. So although God created the universe, the whole purpose of nature, which even though it, it appears independent from God, it is our task as the human being to reveal the divinity in the world, to reveal God's presence. We were created on the sixth day with that task of bringing God out into the open by serving God, by proclaiming God's presence openly in the world. And so when we start the Kiddush with Yom HaShishi Vayichul mentioning the sixth day, we highlight our mission, our purpose, and that is what we're doing by proclaiming God's presence in the world when we say Kiddush. And so by adding these words, we bring God's presence, we're highlighting God's presence into the world. When we say Kiddush, we, you know, you look at the word, um, the rest of the, the rest of the um, throughout the rest of the paragraph, the name Elohim is used. And the name Elohim, Bereshit Bara Elohim, the beginning, God created different names for God. But Elohim is a name that represents God in, as concealment. Elohim is the same numerical value, the Gemachut Rahatava, which means nature. Nature conceals God's presence in the world. But Yom HaShishi when we say Kiddush, we're revealing God's presence in the world. And that is, after all, our task, our purpose here. Of course, you're going to make the bracha hamotzi then. Oh, wait, first you're going to go wash, okay? And, you know, Jewish law says that Kiddush is not valid unless you go straight into a meal. There's an important message. Kiddush is a spiritual endeavor, and we need to make sure that it influences our regular life. Everything we do spiritual should have an impact on our physical activities, on the way we eat, on everything we do. Sanctity and transcendence is not just, you know, it, it has to inform, it has to influence our very regular living. Lech Lecha, the name of this week's Parsha, is about taking, yes, going into the world, but not just leaving your parents home, taking everything you learned and permeating every aspect of your life. So yes, we go straight into the meal, we're going to eat bread, challah, because food is what, you know, challah distinguishes, it's, it, it's, a, it's a substance that's not just a snack, it's a meal, and a real meal requires bread. Yeah, I know, the carbohydrates, that's right. And we have to have two loaves of bread, not just one. Why? The two remind us of the man that God gave and sustained the Jewish people when they were wandering in the desert for those 40 years. The man rained down from heaven each day. But on Fridays, a double portion of man came. Because the next day, on Shabbos, none would come. So we remember that by eating a double portion of challah on Shabbos at each of our meals.
And this is also one of the reasons for the custom of covering the challah during Kiddush. Because the man would fall between two layers of dew. One above it, one below it. That's what kept it fresh and clean. So when we cover our challah, you can have a tablecloth underneath or a challah board, and you cover it above with a beautiful challah cover, reminding ourselves of the curing way that God delivered the man to us. Of course, according to halacha, when we have bread and wine on our table, we normally say the bracha over the bread first because in the sequence, in the Torah, Eretz Chitas the bread, wheat comes first. But on Shabbos, because of the tradition to chant Kiddush first, so we are going to cover the bread, not to not to embarrass it, as the Gemara says, to save it from shame. But of course, that's a message to us because challah doesn't have feelings. But our sages want to impart a lesson to us that if bread, which is inanimate, which has no emotions and feelings, must be treated with such care and consideration, then how much more so must we be on guard not to embarrass or hurt any other person? And especially on Shabbos, when we're with our loved ones, with our family, we remind ourselves the care, concern, sensitivity, and love that we should have for one, for one another. And in Judaism, it's not only about kindness, respect, and caring in theory, but even with something as physical as and inanimate as bread, we express that care and sensitivity. And in this way, we hope that the qualities will become inculcated in our daily lives as well. Well, please God, next week we'll continue and discuss more how to make your Shabbos most beautiful and most meaningful. Looking forward. All the very best. Have a great day. Carpe diem.